0: Hello and welcome again to the Smart TV Podcast brought to you by Radio Times. My name is David Butcher. Every week I explain how this works at the top of the show, but I think most of you listening will know the deal by now. For any newcomers, welcome. Good to have you along. The idea is very simple. I'm going to round up some big TV that's coming up in the next week, give you my take on it, why it's worth watching or why it isn't. And this time, a bumper special. Two shows to miss that I give a bit of a... Kicking to at the end. I'm a celebrity, get me out of it starts this week, and that does tend to mean the other channels, the terrestrial channels, they don't bring out their big guns at this point and it all goes a bit quiet. But there is still some very good stuff around. There's a terrific BBC Two drama starting, and some good shows on Netflix, some nice documentaries tucked away, all that coming up. I'm going to start with a TV Western which you don't see so many of these days. I've loved TV Westerns ever since I used to watch The Virginian as a kid. That was a long time ago. I also like the dramas that Hugo Blick creates. He wrote and directed The Shadow Line, The Honourable Woman, Black Earth, Rising, if you remember any of those, all incredibly atmospheric and powerful. He's a real auteur of TV. So the fact that he has now made a Western is very exciting for me, and... What's more, it stars the wonderful Emily Blunt, as in Hollywood movie star Emily Blunt, who never does TV, except she does now. It's called The English, and it starts on BBC Two next Thursday. And it's great. I've seen the first couple of episodes, and it's proper grown-up drama. Emily Blunt plays an English aristocrat from Devon who turns up in 1890s America, She's looking for the man who she blames for the death of her son, and we don't know why or how or what happened, but as we meet her, that quest she's on is just about to run into a spot of bother. She finds herself in trouble, she realises the West is very wild, and it's dangerous to a wealthy stranger like her, a woman who is on her own, but... She's not on her own for long. because. Well, I won't say too much more because I think it's the kind of thing it's good to come to really not know much about the plot. Hugo Blick, the way he he writes and directs things, he creates a very powerful mood of menace and threat, but also of goodness and people we root for and care about. But he does villains particularly well. And Kieran Hines has fun as one of several baddies. There's also Toby Jones, Tom Hughes, if you remember him from Victoria. He was Prince Albert in Victoria. He's in it. Most importantly, there's a porny Native American scout character who's played by Chaska Spencer. He is terrific. He has a great line, steady is quick, meaning play it cool, basically, and he is very cool. Um, I'd happily spend the rest of this podcast talking about the English. It's got a wonderful weight and heft to it. It's about some big issues, but it's also very funny at times. Hugo Blick, he started out in comedy with Rob Brydon and people. Anyway, do give it a try. It's called The English. It starts on BBC Two next Thursday, and then the whole series will be on iPlayer from that night. The thing I was really looking forward to this week was Johnny Lee Miller's new role, because Johnny Lee Miller, very charismatic actor, started train a bit of a sex symbol for some people. He used to be married to Angelina Jolie, played Sherlock Holmes in elementary, and now his latest role is as John Major, prime minister in the 90s, which I think that's quite flattering to John Major. Maybe Edwina Curry did the casting or something. Anyway, some of you will realise this is just a roundabout way of getting to season five of The Crown, which arrives on Netflix this week on Wednesday. It's a huge show watched in millions of homes, tens of millions of homes all around the world. Full disclosure, my home isn't one of them. I'll watch it for work and enjoy it, but not for relaxation for pleasure at home. And I'll explain why. But at this stage, if you watch it, you don't need me to pick it up for you. And if you don't watch it, I'm not going to persuade you it's worth it. It is a spectacular piece of work. It's majestic kind of it's so proper, really, but raised to an incredible level of big-budget eye candy. I think I, I struggle with it, I think, because we know what's going to happen. The suspense is always a bit limited. I do realise I'm an outlier on that, and it is a great watch, not least for the fascination of seeing how the public figures that we all remember, we we feel we know really well, how they're going to be cast and played. Johnny Lee Miller is actually very good as John Major. Dominic West in the new series is excellent as Prince Charles. Imelda Staunton plays the Queen now, she's great. Maybe best of all, Elizabeth Debicki plays Princess Diana very convincingly, she's spookily good. In terms of the story, we've reached the 1990s and it's the breakdown of Charles and Diana's marriage. The War of the Waleses, as the press called it. Other marriages in the family are breaking down too. There's the Queen's famous Annus Horribilis. One thing that does wind me up a bit in The Crown is the way it always treats the newspapers and the press and photographers as these sort of very intrusive and exploitative and, and they're leeching off the royal family's privacy. Hello, that's exactly what The Crown does on a huge scale. It feeds on that same curiosity that we have about the royals, which has always been there and is very natural, but not always healthy, maybe. I won't get into all the debate about how fictional or true it is. Who knows? It may well be that it's nonsense on stilts, as somebody put it, but it's very enjoyable nonsense on very expensive stilts. So that's season five of The Crown, which is on Netflix from Wednesday. Right, change of gear. If you've ever enjoyed Inside the Factory... Where Greg Wallace goes to factories, sees how things are made, this might appeal to you. It's called The Secret Genius of Modern Life. It's on BBC Two next Thursday. It's Professor Hannah Fry. She's explaining how simple everyday technology that we take for granted, how it evolved. She starts with the bank card. We've all got one And she goes into all the different technologies that are kind of welded into it, the magnetic stripe, the smart chip, how they all work and so on, how they evolved. For instance, she visits the place where they, the sort of big data center secret place, where they make sure that as you touch your card on a contactless reader in a coffee shop or something, it can send a message to a data center, which checks who you are, then contacts your bank to check you have the fund, then gets back to the shop and its terminal in all in about a third of a second, which, when you think about it, is extraordinary. And we take for granted, just dink, bought something in a supermarket, whatever it is. But it's pretty clever when you think about it. In the future episodes, there's a whole series of these, you'll be looking at things like electric cars and trainers and the technology that goes into them and pizza delivery bags. It's all quite jokey and blue petri, but kind of interesting. It's the secret genius of modern life, BBC Two on Thursday. I do have to give a nod to I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here because, as I said, it's back on Sunday night on ITV and it will dominate things on terrestrial television for the next couple of weeks. Last couple of years, deck and and... All the celebrities have been in Wales, but now they're back in Australia in the jungle. So it's kind of back where it belongs. With, I mean, you can't have failed to notice quite a lineup this year, particularly the men. You've got Boy George, for heaven's sake, uh, presumably without his makeup on, which would be interesting. Chris Moyles, the DJ, Mike Tindall, the rugby player and sort of minor royal now. Well, maybe he'll be in the final series of the Crown. Jill Scott, the England footballer, isn't there various soap actors, presenters, loose women and so on, but none of them will have to do any bush-tucker trials because Matt Hancock, the former health secretary, will presumably lose the public vote every time. But anyway, there'll be some terrific conversations around that campfire. Part of me can't wait. I usually try not to use any swear words on here, though I'm often tempted, but I'm afraid this next show's title is The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself on Netflix. I was going to say, if there's a teenager in your life, this would be good to recommend to them. But actually, it's very involving. It's very well-written drama, whatever age you are. It's written by a guy called Joe Barton, who did Giri Hadji, which was a a very good but not much-watched BBC Two show that is now available on Netflix, and I highly recommend. This show actually came out kind of last week on Netflix. It's a drama adapted from some young adult novels. And if I tell you it's about teenagers who are witches and there are different types of witches who are kind of at war you may think well that's not my kind of thing but it's done with a real wit and a snappiness and a crackle and a cheekiness the two leads are really sweet and their romance you just want it to work but everything's going to get in the way of that it's out on netflix already that's the bastard son and the devil himself great title A couple of weeks ago, I had a scoop on this podcast because I think I was the first person to get sight of the wonderful Lionel Messi documentary, which is on iPlayer now. And if you haven't seen it, do take a look. Today, the day this comes out, Friday the 4th of November, there's another iPlayer football documentary that has some great stuff in. It's called How to Win the World Cup. Obviously, the Qatar World Cup is only a few weeks away now, so we're kind of in the build up and this is a great way to get in the mood. The idea is it talks to people from the last three teams to win it. The Spanish team who won in 2010, Germany in 2014, France in 2018. And we hear about their journey from the inside, what it was like in the dressing room. We see the pep talks that Joachim Love gives the Germans or the kind of bollocking that Didier Deschamps gives the French squad at one point. Uh, Or there's this great scene where somebody filmed the speech that... Paul Pogba kind of shouts at the French dressing room at one stage. I think it's just before their semi-final. And one of the best stories in there is Andres Iniesta, a Spanish player, and the way he was really depressed at that point in his life in 2010 during the tournament. He was having real trouble, and then he goes and scores the winner in the final against Holland. And at that triumphant moment in his life, strips his shirt off to reveal a message to his dead friend who he loved. He's in the programme. So many people in there. Sex Fabregas, the Spanish manager, Vincente del Bosque. They've got great interviewees, great analysis from some good journalists, personal memories. It's really good stuff. How to win the World Cup. That's on iPlayer now. Another quick documentary pick on Saturday on BBC Two. There's The Hacienda, the club that shook Britain. There've been films about the Hacienda before. It's become... A legend it's the manchester nightclub that became a whole pop culture phenomenon in the 1980s and 90s it only lasted i think it was only open for 15 years but it was the center of a real kind of revolution there's a great quote from one guy who says it was like a spaceship landing in this gray city and you really get a sense of how much the hacienda mattered to people to bands to punters and so on there are contributors there's sean ryder peter hook noel gallagher DJs, punters, probably nothing dramatically new that hasn't been covered before, but it is a great watch. That's the Hacienda, the club that shook Britain on Saturday on BBC Two. Now, my shows to avoid, I've got two this week. One you may not have access to anyway. It's on Lionsgate Plus, the streaming service. It used to be called Stars Play. Um, They've got some really good stuff on there, including Gaslit, which is the Watergate drama with Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. I recommend that. Serpent Queen with Samantha Morton, also very good. The Great, think about Catherine the Great, which is one of my favourite things ever. They've got all six series of Outlander. So it's particularly good on sort of historical dramas with a kind of modern vibe to them, a modern outlook. The latest of which is a new version of Dangerous Liaisons. You may well remember the film with Glenn Close, John Malkovich and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, very powerful and tragic and sexy this new version isn't any of those things I'm afraid it's a bit of a mess lots of big wigs and dresses and clunky dialogue in 1780s Paris Leslie Manville she's got the Glenn Close role of the the scheming society Queen Bee but she can't rescue it I was really looking forward to it but I'm afraid I found it pretty stodgy and slow sadly so that's Dangerous Liaisons, it's on gay Plus, but I won't say when because you don't need to watch it. Finally, I've got to talk about this show on National Geographic. It's called Gordon Ramsay Uncharted Showdown. It's one of those cookery shows where the idea isn't to celebrate food as something warm and nurturing and cooking as sort of an act of generosity and giving. It's about a sort of macho arm wrestle between two chefs trying to prove who's the best. So basically, the idea is Ramsey has a contest with another chef to see who can cook the local produce better. To give you an idea, this is how Ramsey introduces the guy who's his opponent in the first episode. He says, I'm meeting up with super talented chef Paul Ainsworth. How do I know he's super talented? Because he was trained by the legendary Gordon Ramsey. That's Ramsey saying that. Anyway. Uh, they meet up, and Ramsay does all these slightly mean, bullying things. Like, he, he asks to look at, at the other guy's Rolex and then throws it in the sea. And when they're cooking against each other, he goes over to the other guy's station and sees he's got some notes on paper so, that he's made. So Ramsay just grabs them and burns them on his grill. So it just feels a bit nasty. However, there is some nice stuff in there about celebrating local producers like visiting an oyster farm which is really interesting actually and a place that produces buffalo mozzarella in Somerset and so on. There's some gorgeous photography sort of southwest scenery but with the ingredients they've got they could have made I think a much more appetising programme minus all the the only way I can put it is willy waving basically just macho Nonsense, which is a shame. So it's Gordon Ramsay, Uncharted Showdown. It's on National Geographic. I will tell you while it's on because some people will enjoy this. Uh, It's on Wednesday on National Geographic. But I think you don't need to watch it. That's all for this episode. Do let us know if you like what we're doing here. I got a lovely tweet this week from... A woman called Philippa who does a similar thing to this, but for books. And I can recommend her show. It's called Quick Book Reviews, the Quick Book Reviews podcast. Do give that a try if you don't just watch television, you also read. And if you read, there's a magazine connected to this podcast. It's called Radio Times. It's out every week. It's still going strong after 99 years. That's got more details of all the TV I've talked about. I'll be back next week with more of this. Until then, bye for now and happy viewing.